Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Ready for this. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering Podcast. This is New York Sports Talk, a long-suffering fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. We did a College Hoops episode earlier this week. Troy Moriello from the Seeing Red Podcast. Zach Brazil, the New York Post, both hopped on, talked on College Hoops. This episode is about the MLB lockout that we have now lost regular season games. I'm going to be joined by our legal correspondent, Phil Fred, in just a minute to break it all down. Before we get into the main thrust of this podcast, I want to ask you, if you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatchers to search for just on the suffering on Apple podcast, Google play tune in stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects simply search for just and the suffering, your favorite podcast platform. My episodes there. Feel free your feedback and star rings. Well, help me the podcast even better going forward. So check out my YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube, individual conversations from the episode, including my chat with Phil will be up on the YouTube page. And without further ado, let's dive right in to the latest surrounding the MLB lockout. All right, we are back here in a place we did not want to be talking about why we do not have baseball coming on opening day on March 31st. For me, I'm very angry about the fact that I'm not going to be at City Field watching Jacob DeGrom talk about 15 Nationals. Joining me today, our legal correspondent has been covering the lockout with us the whole way through. Phil Freyad is here. Phil, how are you? Um, Not, not good, Mike. Uh, I don't think any baseball fan is good today. Today is a sad day. Uh. Sad, sad day for the sport. It's a very sad day for the sport. And we talked last week about what was going on here. We said, you know, we're not going to come back. They make a deal. If they don't, we'll see what happens. So the way this sort of unfolded, I think, made it necessary to come on and just break down exactly what happened here. Yeah. Uh, so we're recording this a little after 9.30 on Tuesday, March 1st. Uh, we did not intend to do it on such a quick turnaround, but I think we had no choice. Um, so, yeah, I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, and for people who are not keeping up over the weekend, there was a lot of slow proposals. We had the league and the basically the players sniping at each other on Saturday. That's odd things on Sunday. Monday, they went, it was supposed to be deadline day. They went for about 16 hours, about 2.30 in the morning they wrapped up. We heard that they talked about a 12-team uh, playoff system, a lottery, some movement on the minimum, some a little bit of movement on the competitive balance tax, not a lot. This morning, players countered. Owners not happy. They made basically what they refer to as the best and final offer. Even though Man- Rob Manfred denied it later, players said no, and Rob Manfred came out and canceled games. So, if you are keeping up at home, I'll give you the breaking news warning. Their base opening day is not on March thirty first. They have canceled the first two series of the season. The earliest season can start is April eighth. And Phil, we are not expecting that to be like so quick that we're going to be missing just a week of baseball. No, I, I wouldn't expect it. Uh, I mean, anything is possible, but I certainly wouldn't expect it. So, uh, do you want to? You want me to recap from the beginning? I guess we could do that. Uh, I I don't want to toot our own horns here, but the two of us have been talking about this on this podcast for three years now. Uh, we knew this day was coming. The labor relationship between Major League Baseball and the union got worse and worse and worse over the years. And uh, today is the tipping point uh, that they, they failed to reach an agreement. We have a legitimate work stoppage now and regular season games are going to be missed. Uh, and you're right, Mike, it seems seems pretty unlikely that they're going to be able to get something done in time that it's only going to be two series. Uh, it is it possible? Sure. But uh, and we'll dive into the the specifics of the proposals, but it seems unlikely with how far away they are. Yeah, in terms of where they are here, I mean, we talked about a lot of issues last week, and some of the stuff that we saw they didn't make progress on here, the playoff format, which MLB proposed that, hey, we want 
to have 14 teams. The players held their ground and said, we want 12 because we don't trust the league to compete for 14. It's not incentive for teams to get better. The owners consent, cons- like uh, back down to 12 for now. They said, okay, we're going to basically give you a little lower on the on the arbitration pool. I think we offered $30 million was their final offer on that. The players were, wanted $85 million in the pool. The players dropped their request for in movement up for people eligible for Super 2 arbitration. Went back to the league standard 22% on this. The CBT is the big difference right now. The owners started at 220 for three years. Then they went to 224, I believe, and 230 over the last two. The players started at 238 and went up from there. So big gaps in the CBT. And the minimum wage, I think, the players wanted seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. The start owner started seven hundred, went to seven forty. Players had it going up close to eight hundred. So, even they, even though the league and certain reporters last night tried to project optimism and say, "Look, they're talking for a long time, they're making progress," they're still far apart in a lot of money. Yeah. So uh, again, not to toot our own horns, but I think that this played out uh, as we predicted. Some of the lower hanging fruit, like the amount of playoff teams was resolved, but the two big issues remain are the luxury tax and the uh, pre-arbitration bonus pool. And they're very far apart on both points. Uh, I think I've got them at about $55 million apart on the bonus pool and the luxury tax. They're, they're basically not even in the same galaxy about. Uh, the, the league's proposal would have raised the luxury tax by, I believe, less than 5% for this coming year. And then it would have remained that way for the next two or three years. Uh, and I know that the league is looking to, or the union rather, is looking to increase that number substantially. So they're, they're nowhere near each other. Yeah, they are not near each other. And then once this would end up, and the reason why we started doing this today is because we got some very interesting press conferences, particularly from Rob Manfred's side. So... I know you listened to the audio of this, but for the audience at home on the YouTube version, you did not get the tone of the visual here. So I'm going to go ahead and share the screen here. This is... Yeah, let me see it. This is going to be the first time I've I've seen it. I only heard it with my ears, so I'm excited. Yeah, this is the general sort of tone that Rob Manfred was projecting. This is from June Lee on Twitter, and, and people who watch the press conference like me got disgusted by this. And Junley says, the man who called the World Series trophy a, quote, a piece of metal, smiling on a day when MLB cancels games. Yeah, th- this guy is a is just a complete disaster. He's a disaster. Uh, I, I, wow. That, nothing else I could say there, but wow. I mean, you just canceled 91 games. We lost 91 regular season games. The players are not going to get paid for it right now. And the fans are not going to get to go to. And he's sitting over there like like he won the lottery. Mike, it's it's beyond that. This is the first time Major League Baseball is going to miss regular season games since the strike. Since the strike, which nearly put the sport under. And one of the reporters made the point, and I think it's a good one, we're in a very different world than 1994. In 1994, you had 20 channels on your TV. There was no Disney Plus. There's no Netflix. There's no Hulu, HBO Max, so on and so forth. There is a wealth, an absolute wealth of entertainment options. As people who listen to your podcast know, I know you go into pop culture. Uh, You do the Star Wars stuff with my brother. People have other choices now. They're not going to sit around and wait for Major League Baseball to come back. This is a disaster, and this guy is smiling? It's awful. It's awful. I mean, he you heard when he was, like, cracking jokes at points. He was laughing. He was, like, like busting uh, Ken Davidoff's chops. And I was like, oh, like, I'm glad I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Like, ha, 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 ha. It's like, this is not funny. I mean, like, you basically said we couldn't get to a deal. We have lost 91 games of the season so far. There's going to be more to come unless he can get a deal. And I'm here basically, like, being smiling McGee. That doesn't look good. It looks awful. And again, it's is Rob Manfred aware of how much there is to watch on TV now? Uh, because that that's going to hurt him. And another point that was made by another reporter, which I thought was a good one, is 
this not only affects the players and the owners, it affects the fans, but it also affects just the regular people who work in the stadiums. The guy who sells the hot dogs, he's out of work for six days now, at least six games and counting. The guy who runs the parking lot, so on and so forth. These are people who don't even have a, they don't have a representative in that room. Yeah, also people in the front office too, or like people work at the stadium, like you know, the person who runs the video board is not gonna have a job when they're not doing it, not doing games there. So like that's the reason they can get furloughed and they're gonna lose money on this. It's it's awful. It's just awful all around. And you and you know uh with the way the broadcasts work too. Uh I think they get those guys get paid by game. And it's not, and you know, everybody knows about the broadcasters, and I'm not crying for the Michael K's of the world, but the guys who are working in the truck, they need that money. Yeah, and they're going to lose at least six games of it, six, seven games of it, probably more at the rate this is going here. And, I mean, the tone that Rob Manfred struck here, like, was just so poor. It was so out of left field of, like, okay, like, I do not get the moment here. Like, I think I'm having fun. Like, I'm going to joke around with the reporters. And, like, he was getting some tough questions. We'll get to some of the stuff later here. Just for comparison, I'm going to put up here, this is what the players looked like when they showed up at the pre- at their press conference today and Max Scherzer spoke. So here's what they looked like. They were serious. They understand the gravity of the situation here, not Mr. Chuckles over there from the commissioner. Yeah, that looks like a group of guys who understands that they're the sport that they love and it's in danger. It's in danger now because of this. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when I, and we'll get to the players, uh, I don't want to sound like we're totally absolving them because they, uh, I, although I think they're mostly in the right, there's some points that they could have compromised on too, but at least they seem to understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah, the owners do not. And right now, I think Rob Manford as a whole, I think takes a big L here because he was the one walking around three years ago saying, it's a disastrous outcome for us to be canceling games. And then, He's smiling always canceling games. And he talked about back in December, this is a defensive lockout. We're trying not to have the season impacted. We're controlling the timing of this. And he basically frames like, oh, because we don't have a deal. We have to cancel games. And I want to put this out. There's a big misconception that people seem to be guys like, oh, they don't have a deal. They don't have gains. So that's, it's both their faults. Like in terms of specifically why we are not playing baseball is because the owners locked the players out. The owner's side, you know, rally to cancel baseball games is the players had nothing to do with that decision. That, that's right. Uh, they can play games without a CBA in place. Uh, that both sides could agree to do it under some sort of a, you know, we're we're gonna reach some sort of a temporary deal while we work it out. There's there's a lot of options here, but the owners decided to pull the trigger. Well, part of that is because that gives them leverage because they don't have to pay the players during the lockout. But uh, it, it's this is a decision by the owners. You're right about that. Yeah, and I'm going to also throw another graphic up here in the latest letter to the fans from Rob Manfred, where I'm not going to read the whole thing because he was basically going through all the talking points, and we'll go into those in a minute. But in terms of specifically why we are doing this the way we are, this is from the letter here. So what is next? The calendar dictates that we are not going to be able to play the first two series of regular season games, and those games are officially canceled. We are prepared to continue negotiations. We have been informed the MLBPA is heading back to New York, meaning that no agreement is possible until at least Thursday. Currently, camps could not meaningfully operate until at least March 8th, leaving only 23 days before scheduled opening day. We played without an agreement in 1994, and the players went on strike in August, forcing the cancellation of the World Series. It was a painful chapter in our game's history. We cannot risk such an outcome again for our fans and our sport. So basically saying, you know, if we don't do this, they're going to take your World Series away. So don't blame us for why we don't have games. Yeah, and there's no basis for, for saying that. But because the guys in 1994 did that, that's 30 years ago almost now. That's almost 30 years ago. These guys in the Players Union now, most of a lot of those guys in the picture you showed me weren't even born. I mean, let, let's stop the nonsense already. But that, that, that's what this is. This is using the ability to cancel games as leverage. And it's not the first time these guys did it. They did it with the COVID situation too. Rob Manfred used the ability to unilaterally adjust the schedule at that point to strong arm the players union. And now he's doing it again. And I mean, it's this awful. It's just awful. Yeah. And right now the players right now, the the PA has been preparing for years. This possibility they have built the war chest up and the players are getting paid $5,000 a week in, uh, 
February and March during spring training, which is normally they don't get paid for. They're getting paid $15,000 a week during the regular season. It's obviously a big drop-off for a lot of them in terms of salary here, but like compared to what the minimum was under the old thing, it's not as far off as it would have been for some of these players. Yeah, it's designed to protect some of the, the lesser value guys. And, and if we get to that point where we're hitting the 15000 and I hope we don't, but if we do, what you'll probably see is a guy like Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole say, I, I, I'll pass, uh, take my share and give it to somebody who needs it more in a solidarity um, solidarity effort from the union. Yeah, the solidarity effort from the union here. And we're going to go through both sides, their responses here. So I want to start with Rob Manfred here because – this press conference, and he is no expert doing press conferences. We've seen this over the years, and he's not good in the press if, regarding to the infamous calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal in an interview with ESPN. Today was probably a new low for Rob Manfred. This, it was awful. It, it was awful. Uh, I, I, I guess I'll just dive right into it. Um, you know, Rob Manfred, he comes out and he tells you, ah, we, we were such good compromisers. We compromised on 12 teams. We compromised on a player bonus pool. We raised the minimum wage for the players. We compromised on all those things. What he leaves out is that they made no effort to compromise on the luxury tax, which is probably the biggest issue of all in the entire negotiation. And he just brushes it aside. And then he tries to tell you that it's necessary to protect the payroll disparity. How, what, how is it protecting the payroll disparity? Derek Jeter just quit because his, his guys wouldn't spend any money. What is he talking about? Oh, okay. under, the current, under the current structure, you want to tell me there's not a payroll disparity? The Rays don't spend any money. I could list off 10 teams right now who don't spend any money and don't even try to spend money. And at least the Rays compete. But, you know, we could go the Kansas City Royals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Marlins. These are teams who don't compete, and they don't even try. They don't even try. Yeah, they don't. And then, and then you got the the negative of the of the tax, which anybody who's in this market knows. Look at the Yankees. Everything the Yankees do is designed to stay under this damn number, like it's an actual salary cap. Yep. It, it, Not it's good. awful. It is awful, and we're. I did pull some audio from this for the audio audience, to, the podcast audience, to listen to some of this. And this is the first thing that I listened to this, and I said, okay, we got to do this tonight, because this is what Rob Manfred had to say about the, the fans' role in all of this. Yeah, look, I think that um, the concern about our fans is at the very top of our consideration list. The fans are on top of the list. They sure have not acted like it. Uh, I don't know what, what fan wants a, the games to be canceled to ensure that the Yankees don't have to spend a little bit more money or vice versa, and even worse, to ensure that the Oakland A's can trade their good players before they hit arbitration. we got to make sure that the A's are doing that. Yeah, well, right now the commissioner, I mean, this is all sort of go back to the whole, this is a problem I think goes back to the fact that they, that the Bud Selig and now Rob Manfred is basically let the small markets dictate the way baseball goes and basically saying, you know, like we can't let Steve Cohen go spend $300 million on payroll every year and run us out of the building because we don't want to spend our money. So instead we're going to just going to punish him and make and not force ourselves to spend more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and that's wrong. It's just flat out wrong. Uh, and I applaud the union 30 years ago for fighting a salary cap. And I applaud them now for doing the same. They're fighting what is effectively a de facto salary cap. Yeah, and I'm looking here at some, at some of this stuff, at some of the other stuff here. I have another audio clip here I want to pull here in terms of, you mentioned here the idea of the payroll disparities. Let's hear what Rob Manfred to say about that. Uh, and last, look, we have a payroll disparity problem. Um, and to weaken the only mechanism in the agreement that's designed to promote some semblance of competitive balance is just something that I don't think the club group is prepared to do right now. Okay, this is also a flat-out lie because they said the, pay, the CBT is basically a payroll disparity mechanism to prevent the gap from growing. And, like, yes, the Yankees are playing gymnastics, not going over the number, but 
the guys in the low end, a lot of these teams come nowhere near it. And I think the good example is in Cleveland, the Guardians. He, did you know that the owner of Cleveland, Paul Dolan, is the fifth richest owner in baseball and he operates at a bottom, like, 10 payroll? Uh, yes, I did know that. It's, it's a complete joke. So what the payroll tax ends up doing, the CBT, whatever you want to call it, and I actually hate using that acronym, that phrase because that implies that it has anything to do with competitive balance, and I don't even think it does. That's why I call it a luxury tax. But what it ends up doing is it just depresses the guys at the top to make sure that they stay just under like the Yankees. But it doesn't do anything to bring the guys on the bottom closer. So what? You bring the Yankees down a couple of million, but the guys, the other guys are here. So how, how is that anything? How is that anything? All it is is it prevents a Steve Cohen from going out there and spending $300 million or it at least punishes him for doing so. Yeah, it does. Punish- Artificially keep down wages. Yeah, and I mean, you look at what's going on on the bottom of the list here in terms of payroll disparity. I mean, you mentioned the Derek Jeter situation where yesterday he resigns and basically says, like, this is different from my vision of what we ha- had, so I'm going to step away. He had a year left on his contract, and there have been rumors coming out here, and the players basically took it as a victory that Derek Jeter resigned because there were rumors flowing around right now that basically the Marlins had spent some money prior to the lockout where they re-signed Sandy Alcantara to an extension, sent Abisail Garcia, their link to Nick Castellanos, the rumors flowing about that Jeter wanted to spend another 10 to $15 million trying to compete in the National League East, and he was told no, and he said, you know what, screw, I'm out of here. I'm not going to put my name on the on the line for a team that doesn't want to go all in, so that's a problem. Yeah, good good for Derek Jeter. I mean, and Derek Jeter's a player, too, at, at heart. Still a member of the Players Union at heart. And he he understands what's going on. It's it, it, But, Mike, we've talked about this on this podcast. We predicted this, and it should be obvious to anybody who paid attention to the free agent market. We over the last few years, starting really with the Harper Machado free agency. Harper and Machado were some of the youngest, best free agents to hit the market in decades. Nobody wanted them. Why? Why did nobody want them? Is there a single team in baseball who wouldn't be better off with those guys? No. You can't name one. No one wants them. Garrett Cole, he hits free agency. The Yankees and about two other teams are in on him. Again, there's not a single team in baseball that wouldn't benefit from Garrett Cole in the rotation. Max, not a single team. Max Scherzer this year got three teams in on him. Max Scherzer, three teams. Then you had a guy like Masahiro Tanaka, who was a capable major league pitcher who probably could have been inserted in the rotation for just about every team in the league as a mid-rotation guy. He's got to go to Japan to get paid because the Japanese teams are actually paying more money than the American teams. How is that, 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 this is a big problem. It's a huge problem. And it's because of this luxury tax. Yeah, it is a luxury tax thing. And I did pull a question here that John Heyman did ask about the, about the whole revenue situation. And it was an excellent question by John. I want to play the question and we'll listen to Manfred's answer to it in terms of like the luxury tax, why it is not raising at a appropriate rate. So let's listen to Heyman's question and then Manfred's answer. John. Rob, obviously there were some good things in the deal um, for the players, including uh, over a 20% rise for the minimum uh, players, the minimum paid players. However, the CBT, um, you know, how, how do you explain? It was $210 million, right? So it, you're raising it to two, $220 million. That's less than a 5% rise, and then it's repeated the next two the sub- subsequent years at $220 million. So it's basically only a 5% rise over three years. You know, they would tell you that inflation is up 7% now. Their salaries have uh, stagnated, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, they, they wouldn't uh, like that part of the deal. Look, How I, do you explain that? Well, I, I think that it's important to look at the pattern of increases in the CBT thresholds over the last several agreements. And I think the proposal that we made is right in line uh, with the type of increases we've seen in the past. I think you also need to remember that the last five years um, been very difficult years from a revenue perspective for the industry given the pandemic. Yeah, Phil, we survived five years of pandemic. Do you know that? An unbelievably arrogant statement by Manfred to tell anybody that there's been financial difficulties for the last five years because of the pandemic, let alone the last two years when the pandemic was actually going on, which we now know, and I don't think we've touched on this yet, but the Atlanta Braves 
are their financials are now out there for the public to see. They made a boatload of money in profit, a boatload of money. And oh. their financials are out there to the public because they, they ended up, the ownership structure has some public, uh, publicly traded entity that needs to produce these documents uh, pursuant to SEC and other regulations. So they're out there for the public to look at. They made a ton of profit. If so the Braves are making money, but nobody else is, I don't believe that. Yeah, obviously we do give them 2020 because they had no fans and a shortened season. So I get all of that. But I'll throw a couple of tweets up here to mention. This is on MLB reporter Travis Sawchick. Man, for the last five years, it's been difficult, very difficult for the league from a revenue perspective. Ali's made total about $43 billion in that period. What other industry are you growing that fast? I, the NFL. The NFL's uh, the only growing more. Yeah. Yeah. The NFL. Okay, so if, if Manfred's point is that the NFL has made more money than us in the last five years, granted, I'll give you that. But that's about it. Yeah. And Sawchuk goes on to mention here, said this included COVID short in 2020 season, but every other year within the last five, MLB was at $9.5 billion or more in revenues. Team values are increasing. Only the Braves books are public, and they added $103 million in cash flow in 2021. So... Like, that's also a part of the year where they had issues like maybe capacity limits and stuff like that. Yeah. I, sorry, Rob. Uh, there's no data. Nobody believes it. Yeah, and to further echo uh, Heyman's point here, I'm going to go to another tweet here. This is from J.J. Cooper. In the 2003 to 2011 CBT, this is, again, in reference to the quote that I think it's important to look at the pattern of increases of the CBT increases in the last several agreements. It's right on the recent agreements in the past. The 2003 and 2011 CBT, the first, the last, the first, like the two CVAs worth, the CBT went up 52%. Over the last two CBT, uh, CBAs, the CBT only went up 18%. So it's not rising at the same rate these revenues are. He, Rob Manford lied to us again. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, keep that graphic up for a minute because I, I, I think it's, I think it's good to look at. Uh, now, now take a step back and think as a fan. Think about the free agency market between 2003 and 2011 compared to the way it's been since 2012. You see the difference. You see the difference in the, in the product. Back in the 03, that time frame, think about some of those free agents. Vladimir Guerrero was getting bid on like crazy. Beltran. Uh, Carlos Beltran. The, the, the list goes on and on and on. A-Rod, when he signed the second contract with the Yankees, I get that CC Sabathia, and these are just guys that are coming off the top of my head. Compare that to what's going on now. It's night and day, and that's because of this tax. 100%. I mean, you look at the numbers, it speaks for itself. I mean, and Johnny made the good point. I want to give him credit for this because I know people have been critical of him because he works for the MLB network, and he did challenge them on it. Is that, hey, you know what? You did give some good things in here, but. The CBA, the CBT itself is not going up the way it should be in terms of like what the revenue streams are. And it's the most important point of the whole thing. It's the most important point. And it's not going up. So I, I, that, that's where I get frustrated with, oh, the, you know, you'll, you'll hear some people say the league made a really fair offer. No, they didn't. They didn't touch the CBT issue. They didn't touch it. Yeah, and I talked to a friend off air at first who was not following along. I told him, he's like, oh, you know, I thought like the players didn't give it. I'm like, the players have been giving the entire time on the most important issue. The union went up about like 5% or $6 million for three years straight. That's not enough. Yeah. That's what the league offered. And then keep in mind too, Mike, keep in mind, we like to think of these as individualized issues. So they offered 700,000 on the, on the salary. They offered 30 million on the bonus pool. They all saw so That's a cumulative offer. So there's no indication that if the lead, if the union came back and said, "Look, uh, we'll agree to everything else, but we want the luxury tax to be 250 instead of 220," they could easily say, "Well, no, no, no. That 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 was the the 700,000 was at the 220. If you want the 250, then it's only 600,000." Once you agree, once you get to a, it's cumulative. So keep that in mind. It's it's not it's a it's a package deal. And, and if you change the terms of the deal, the other parts of the package chain could change too. And the, the league never made a representation that that would not happen. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of the players slamming Manfred on Twitter for like the whole revenue comments. And this is one thing again where like 
they claim that again, baseball is not profitable. We heard Rob Manfred a few weeks ago saying I was more profitable trading the stock market than on a baseball team, which is which. It's, let's be honest, a lot of crap. It's it's that's complete garbage. And then they will never. And players will be challenged some on players say, fine, you know what? Like if you say it's not profitable, show us the books, and the league will never do that. Nope, they'll never do it. And the only reason they had to is because of these SEC regulations with the Atlanta Braves. And now we see the books for one team. Who, by the way, Mike, uh, if I told you to think, tell me some of the most best profitable teams in baseball i don't well, i don't think the atlanta braves would be on a very high on your list no so that's a probably what we would consider to be more of a mid-level team I, i'd say they're yeah, maybe they, towards the upper a, part of the mid but they're they're in the middle yeah they're like an average uh, cal, uh team and that's what they're netting so god god can only imagine what the yankees are netting and the mets and the red sox it's probably an obscene amount of money Oh, it absolutely is. And I think I also want to throw out on that point in terms of the financials here is that, like, again, you mentioned that it's a package deal. It's like all they are allotting certain amounts of money here. And the way we structure here is like they basically the players want more of the pie. That seems to be the big issue here. And the owners are basically reallocating the money that they distribute in the pie, not giving the players more money. That's a basic simplification of what's going on. Yeah, they're not growing the pie. Exactly. They're there. Or they're growing it, but they're growing it at a small, small rate. But they're saying, oh, look over here. We're raising the minimum salaries to 700000 But we're just taking money from here to do that. Yeah, for sure. It's it's, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. And uh, it's disappointing. And, you know, Mike, uh, there's a tweet by Jeff Passan earlier this week that I thought was spot on. I, I, he said, I have the article. Uh, I can pull that right up. All right, if you're going to get to it, yeah, we can yeah, put it ha- up on the screen. But Yeah, I got it on the screen right now. This is an article Jeff Passan put out yeah, co- there it is. a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was a tweet, but yeah, sure, an article. Yeah, it was a, right. There's a whole article about like why the game is where it is. And he basically dumped the blame on the owners for doing the most work here. And this is the quote I think this basically landed with a lot of people. If you went and got the next 1,200 best players in the world, so let's say the current 1,200 major leaguers, all went off and formed their own league. We brought in 1,200 new players to play for the Mets and so on and so forth. The product would suffer greatly. If you had NFL teams over to any 30 competent business people, the sport would not suffer. Actually, it might improve. It does take a billionaire to leverage a spot in a legalized monopoly of profound built-in revenues. And I think that's a great point because if you take out the 30 owners we have right now and put in 30 other business businessmen or women who want to own a baseball team and are billionaires can afford it, they would do a better job running the sport than these guys do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially because, like he says, it's a legalized monopoly. It's a, it's the easiest business in the world to run. They, they, they are literally not allowed to compete with you. It's the easiest business in the world. And these guys are acting as if they can't make money. And, and you know, Mike, I, I think the next paragraph, too, bears some mention. Because uh, he's right. The Yankees are not the Yankees if Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra, if those guys don't win, they're not the Yankees. But the reason that that happened is because the Yankees were had the ability at that time to go out and buy, and buy the best players in the world to play baseball for them. Those guys are the ones who make money. So he's right. The reason that baseball is profitable now it's Shohei Otani, Tatis, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Acuna. Those guys are the ones who make baseball money. It's not because of Hal Steinbrenner or Steve Cohen or any of these other owners. These guys manage a legal monopoly. I could run a baseball team if you give me the money. It's it's not hard. No, it's not. I mean, like we could put Mark Cuban in the league. We could put in Steve Ballmer. We could drop the 30 NBA owners in here. They do a better job. Yeah, and 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 let's be clear. When I say I could run it, being a general manager, that's a hard job. Being the owner, all you gotta do is write a check. Yeah, that's all you got to do in that scenario here. I've mentioned that one here, and then the other thing that sort of irked my sense with the Manfred thing. He was asked several times about the potential of why negotiations took so long. I think one reporter asked, he said, you know, you had three months to negotiate. Why do you feel like it's only progressing in the last 24 or 36 hours? So here's what Manfred has to say about this. Hey, Rob, understanding that deadlines create urgency, you locked out the players to jumpstart the negotiations. It feels like real bargaining went on just in the last 24 to 36 hours. I'm sure people are wondering why not over the last three, three months or even longer to get to a point where you're 
not necessarily canceling games because there's some momentum here? Yeah, I think the, the best answer to that question is the last 10 days. We've been here ready to bargain, full committees, owners, players for 10 days, and it got going two days before the deadline. I, you know, that's the best explanation I can give. Let me get one thing straight here. You locked them out December 1st. You waited 43 days. You wasted three months, and your answer is you were here for 10 days? Really? It's a joke. It's a joke. And the, the real answer, which everybody knows, is that they wanted to get to this point where they could then use the pressure of trying to make the players look like the bad guys for canceling the games so that they would agree to a crappy deal. That, that's the real answer, and everybody knows that. Yeah, and like literally, he had no response other than, you know, we were ready for the last 10 days, and we talked for 10 days as opposed to what we were doing. We were waiting five days a week to respond to a player proposal in the past. But you know what? Yeah, let's, let's talk about the last 10 days, though, Rob. How come it took you nine of those days doing absolutely nothing? Only on day 10 did anybody actually start to make any movement. What happened on those days? Also, we know what happened. You milked the clock. You ran the clock out to try and put a squeeze play on the players. That's what happened. Also, for what it's worth, Rob Manfred himself did not show up until Friday of the uh, of this period. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too. This was a squeeze play. That's all it was. They tried to get to the end to say, here, hey, here's the best we can do. Uh, and hope that the players felt an obligation to take it. And good for them that they they called the bluff and said, you know what? No, we're out of here. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll touch on the player's side a little bit here in terms of what's going on. And I'm going to throw up the statement from the MLBPA. And I'll put it on the screen here. This is from Twitter. And they posted on their Twitter account at MLBPA. This is Rob Manfred and MLB's owners have canceled the start of the season. Players and fans around the world who love baseball are disgusted, but sadly not surprised. At the beginning of these negotiations, players' objectives have been consistent. To row competition, provide fair compensation for young players, and hopefully uphold the integrity of our market system. Against the backdrop of growing revenues and record profits, we're seeking nothing more than a fair agreement. What Rob Manfred characterizes as a, quote, defensive lockout, end quote, is, in fact, the culmination of a decades-long attempt by owners to break our player fraternity. As in the past, this effort will fail. We are united and committed to negotiating a fair deal to improve the sport for players, fans, everyone who loves our game. Yep. Uh, bingo. They nailed it. And that's exactly that's exactly what I was alluding to earlier. The, what, the, what the league is trying to do here is break the player fraternity, as they say it. They were trying to create a situation where the guys who need the money said, guys, we, we can't get, we can't miss games. I need to just agree to whatever crappy deal they offer me. And good job by the Players Association building a war chest, knowing that that was going to happen. Yeah, and the way these negotiations definitely unfold, the fact they waited so long to talk and do all these things, it basically shows you, like, you know, like, they were not serious in negotiating. I mean, we talk, I talk about off the air people, like, there is a significant portion of the owners here, and I think this is where Rob Manfred fails as a commissioner because besides back, he does work for the owners, but one of his things he was bragging about was, I'm a deal maker, I build consensus, we never missed a, a game when I was leading negotiations, is your job as the commissioner is you got to build consensus among your owners, and there is a nice poc- size pocket of them. Remember, you need only eight to block a deal. You have... Oh, there's, there's plenty of them who don't care if we play at all. Yeah, I mean, you have... Owners, I'm I'm gonna say here, Bob Nutting in Pittsburgh is worth a mil, worth a billion dollars, and his payroll is basically thirty million dollars right now. Like he's these are guys who say you know like it's cheaper for me not to open the gates in April than to and actually ru- open the stadium and run operations. So they don't mind losing games. Exactly like you said last time, Mike. The pressure starts to build once you start losing money from the regional sports networks. They don't give a crap about the first two weeks of April, though. You're right. They, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys are high-fiving each other tonight. Yeah, I'm sure the small market guys are like, yeah, we don't have to pay anybody. This is great. It's, it's just a disaster. What a debacle. Yeah, and I'm trying to find the statement from Max Scherzer because he was the guy who was most prominently revolved at these uh, negotiations. He was there every day. And, I mean, the Twitter were basically going on crazy about this. And Max Scherzer basically, I'm trying to find the exact quote about the CBT, about the CBT, but he basically described it as a de facto salary cap. Well, it is a salary cap, so he's right. Uh, I'm glad he realized that. Yeah, and he's here's the exact quote. I pulled from Kyle A. Glazer. He said, Max Scherzer on the CBT. We look at the competitive balance act as a breakaway spending mechanism. 
That's how this thing was originally negotiated. And we're not seeing that function state breakaway spending. We're seeing it act as a salary cap. And they're basically getting the suppression at the top there, but no benefit from the floor of player of the teams in the bottom just having to spend. So it's just artificially depressing salaries. The reason or the pretext, at least, given for the CBT when it was first passed way back when, which is, I think, uh, amazingly about 20 years ago now, was that we have to stop people from like the Yankees from signing every single free agent that there is. And if you remember back at that time, the Yankees did used to do that. They, they, they're, they signed everybody. Anybody who was a free agent would sign the Yankees. That was the pretext. We have to stop that. But in order to stop that, they said, okay, we're going to penalize you if you go over this number. But then as you showed in the graphic earlier, the number grew substantially year after year. So the players still made money and the tax still worked to try and rein in a team like the Yankees and make sure that they didn't go crazy. But then when, once you stop growing the tax, it just becomes a salary cap. That's all it does. That's all it does. That is all it does. And you mentioned earlier, you said that the players are not flawlessness. So where do you think like they made some issues, made some poor decisions here? Uh, I think one thing that the players did is some of their initial proposals, I think were a little too ambitious. Uh, the, the 75% qualifying for super two, that that's a non-starter. And, and, and I think they knew that. So I blame them in that regard uh, because it, it created a situation where they had to spend so much time negotiating some of these other points where they knew they were, where they were ultimately going to end up anyway, that by the time that they dealt with all that stuff, we, we reached a deadline. So I blame them for that. I, th I think that some of their positions were a little too uh, unrealistic at the get-go, but oh, if you, I had to sign 90, 90, 10, 95, five to the owners. Yeah, and we mentioned proposal that never had a chance to get off the ground. I remember this, I think, during the season last year when we were, they had some early talks about this. This is when the owners floated, okay, we're going to get a payroll for We're dropping the luxury tax $180 million. So at that with stiff penalties. Oh, no, sure, sure, sure. And, and look, a lot of times negotiations start like that. What I mean, though, is that five days ago or so when they're still at 75% qualifying for Super 2, that's that's a little ridiculous. And maybe at that point, I think they could have hunkered down a little bit and said, look, we're going to give you that, but we need this. the CBT is really what we got to start focusing on. Yeah, and I told my friend before, he basically came around to, to like our thing here in terms of who's responsible. He said, well, like basically, like the players have bent and bent and bent and bent and bent. The owners have done really very little movement to their direction. So between the, they, they moved on the minimum finally, which was good. They moved on the playoff format a little bit. They gave in the DH, but... The players gave up their requests for the arbitration. They gave their request for remember, universal free agency at 30 was a thing. They gave that up. They gave up on the, I think, a couple of other key areas of this thing. And then also I want to throw out here that all of a sudden, the thing that also made me the league is all of a sudden the last day of this thing, Rob Manfred said, also, I'm going to start throwing in proposals about case of play when they happen to negotiate all prior to this, which again, confuses my efforts of actually believing they're actually serious about getting a deal done. Agreed. Also a bad faith tactic. And then Manfred came out and I think he did that on purpose, uh, both in the press conference and in his statement, he dangles this carrot to the fans about how we wanted these things so that we could institute a pitch clock and ban the shift. Nobody's talked about those things. Well, since when was baseball going to ban the shift? I, as first I ever heard of it today, I've heard some people suggest it, but I never heard about Rob Manfred say we're banning the shift. Because this is progressive, because back in the beginning of this, they said, we're not talking about on-field stuff. We're working on the economics. We'll do this at a future time. Then I think over the weekend, they said, okay, we're going to try and put in something where MLB has 45, man, we can do a 45-day notice to change the rules as opposed to a year. And now, all of a sudden, we're just trying to throw them in the CBA, which I think, again, raised the question to me of, like, are the owners actually taking this seriously? They're just trying to piss the players off at this point. Well, that, that was, in my opinion, that was done to throw a carrot to the fans. Because they know that a lot of fans want the shift band and they want pitch blocks. So they're saying, see, look, we're, we're the guys who are going to get you that. They're, they're the other side's the one that's holding that up. Now, Mike, let's, let's be honest. If baseball wants to ban the shift, and, I and I'm on record as saying they should, does it really matter if they do it in 45 days or a year? No. No. If they announce that, hey, look, in the 2023 season, the shift's going to be banned, 
what difference does that make versus telling me that it's going to actually happen at the all-star break in 2022? Who cares? No, nobody's going to care about that. Yeah. So give me a break that, that that's needed to protect the integrity of the game. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. And we're also going to point out here, I think in terms of this right now, as of recording time, there is no... Uh, wait, wait, Mike, I just want to add one more point. By the way, the, the one-year thing, it doesn't have to be a year. It's only a year unilaterally. Yeah. If the union agrees, you could do it tomorrow. Yeah. So so let, let's not pretend that, oh, well, without this, we'd have to wait a year. That's not true. Yeah, it's not. And I think in terms of where we are right now, there is no official bargaining session on, this, on the calendar right now. They know the earliest they can meet is Thursday, but they're not going to meet on Thursday. You would agree on that? Yeah, I don't think they're going to meet on Thursday. Uh, so w- one thing Manfred did say that I, one of the only things he said that I agree with him about is it is the union's turn. Uh, the, the owners did make a proposal, which Manfred vehemently denied on his press conference was a best and final offer. He, he made clear it was not a best and final offer, despite some reports to the contrary. So let's take him at his word. Okay, uh, that sounds like he wants a counter. And uh, it's the player's turn to counter. So I'm sure they'll give them a counter, but uh, I see no reason for the players to rush to get that counter to him tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure they, they can take a couple of days or even a week before they turn around a counter offer. Yeah, even besides that point here, the other, the, this thing also gets more complicated now that we, now we're throwing in canceling games and Rob Manfred basically threw out the excuse of, you know, now we have interleague, it makes we have to have an interleague series every day. It makes it hard to reschedule games, blah, blah, blah. And he basically said that if games are canceled, players do not get paid for them. And we've heard players basically say, you know what, if you want your expanded postseason, they are desperate for it because they sold the rights to it to ESPN before they even had it. So if you want that, we need to have a full season of games. So I think now this could be more negotiations and more of a disaster in terms of us them trying to argue, you know, like, it's not our fault you cancel the game, so if you won't pay us, we're not going to give you your playoffs. We could have another stalemate. Now we've added yet another point to negotiate. Yeah, so let's even assume, just for argument's sake, let's assume that they are able to get a deal done on Thursday. Uh, they can agree on everything on Thursday, and we're going to play 156 games this year, which I think is almost impossible. Well, let's just assume that happens. Well, now you got to deal with, well, what do we do with the six games that we didn't play? Do we pay them for them? Uh, the, the, that, that's a whole new issue to negotiate. What happens to service time for those six games? For the guys who are supposed to get service time? Do they get it? Do they not get it? And uh, it would be very easy for the players to, to say, you know what, Rob, you're right. Interleague makes it real hard. I got a great idea. How about we just go back to the old playoff format and we kick the regular season out into the beginning of October instead of the new playoff round? How about that? Yeah, that's the problem because now you're going to have, and the owners basically have made it clear that they, their number one goal is they want this expanded playoff, which we've said on the air is dumb because we think, it, again, we're diluting the field so much. But again, this is one thing where they basically promised ESPN basically 14 playoff teams every year, year and had the extra round. I think the Andrew Marchand and the New York Post broke it down pretty well. He said that if ESPN gets a 12-team playoff, they drop like 85 to $85 million a year, which you add that up. That's, over, that's $105 million of the seven-year contract they have. So that's a lot of money MLB is losing by giving up the 12th, going to 12th instead of 14. Yeah, well, uh, then maybe maybe they should think think uh, better of losing because it sounds like they're, they've lost that. Uh, but do they want to go down to 10 again? Because if I was the players, I'd say, well, you better pay us for those six games that you forced us to miss. Otherwise, you're going down to 10 again, at least for this season. Yeah, and we don't know when they're going to talk again. And we're waiting for somebody to actually bend on something, especially the CBT. That's the biggest thing hanging out here. They're still very far apart on that. And we speculated that like, if the owners started 2.30 and then started going out from there, I think we would have a deal because – the, the, the middle ground here between the 220 and 238 the players start at is that 230 mark. I think if we got the 230 and we maintain the penalties from which the owners did drop in the last going back to the last set of CBT penalties. Yeah, but you got to go to the 230, but there needs to be growth. They can't sit at 230 also for three years. I don't think that's going to work either. No, they have to go start, start at 230, make a reasonable effort to actually raise this thing over a couple of years because I, I forget right. where I saw this, but like, if you actually follow the revenue growth and extrapolate the CBT out, it would be about $297 million right now. 
Yeah, exactly. And and that graph you showed earlier, it, when when the CBT is growing by a year, it doesn't operate as much like a salary cap. When it's not, it's a salary cap. Yeah, it, it needs it, to grow. So the one thing I will say, if from the player perspective, they probably have some pressure here from a PR perspective to maybe come around with a counter sooner rather than later. Otherwise, they start to look like the the ones who are the delayers and the dilatory guys. So, so from that standpoint, I do think that they'll be a, feel a little pressure to get a counter out there and, and let the public know, hey, we made a counter offer. I think I think you get one on Monday. I'll give my guess. Yeah, I'd say Monday. Uh, I agree. May, may, maybe Friday, but probably Monday. I would say Monday. They're probably going to take the weekend to regroup and decide how they want to approach it and then start it up again. That, that's what I think. Yeah. And in terms of, like, the actual dates here now, we are out to April 8th right now. And, again, it's all arbitrary. MLB could lift this lockout they want. They're not going to. And we are now at risk of losing, I think, a very significant day. We talked about this in the last podcast here. If we do not have baseball April 15th, the 70th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, MLB looks terrible. So, let's just play with the calendar. When would we have to have a deal by to get baseball on the 15th? I think basically this week is the eighth. It would start. So I think you have another week. So the 15th, we'll call it. Yeah. I could see a deal being done by then. Yeah. It's a question of like, how much do the owners want to try and break, break the players out of this? That's the question. If the players come back on the seventh, Monday, the seventh with a reasonable counter offer, you would think that if these that these guys will get together uh, for the la- later part of that week into the weekend and try and get a deal done by the 14th or 15th. Yeah, because they basically so, say they need 28 days of spring trainings to because they then there if you need four weeks for the players to get ready, they basically open the cans like right after the CBA is ratified. So you're looking at potentially here. I think April, March 15th. I need to be in camp if you want April 15th. Right. So, so that, that's, that's what I think is going to happen here. It's a prediction that could be wrong. I actually thought they were going to get a deal done as before the today. Uh, so maybe it won't, but uh, I think that by the 14th of March, we'll have a deal and we'll be in camp on the 15th of March. Yeah. And I think also one thing that the league is not appreciated enough here is they're, even if they miss just two weeks and they show up on April 15th and they're playing baseball here, you've lost a lot of people already in terms of people are getting aggravated what's going on here. I mean, the guy I had on the podcast this week, Troy Moriello, who casual baseball fan, he said, text the ass to the lockouts. I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm done. I'm sick of these guys. Absolutely. That, that's the point I was trying to make earlier. There's other stuff to do now. Not You don't have 10 channels on your TV like you did in 1994. Yeah. And not to mention also the other thing that the league seems to miss here in terms of what's going on with nobody's sympathetic about their plight of maybe we don't profit as much as we want to in a legal monopoly. But you look at the situation in the world here. I mean, you have COVID going into potentially year number three, year number two. I think it's two full years we've been to year number three starting in a couple in about 10 days. You have a war going on overseas like. The people of this country are not going to be sympathetic to you argue to the either side arguing over money for much longer. That that's true too, uh, and I and I I think that plays into why I think that we're in camp on March fifteenth. You think somebody in the legal office wakes up and says, "Hey, wait, we got we got to get this done." On both sides, I think that happens. Yeah, I hope you're right because I'm like. But the way the tone this thing took on and a lot of mistrust built up here, like it would not surprise you we're not playing baseball until June 1st. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I can't say that, but I, but I hope you're wrong because I, I don't know if the sport can recover from that. Yeah, well, again, like these the owners have shown here, like, and they are actually the last few years. They cut the sport. They cut the minor league system by 42%. They want to. Oh, they, they don't care. I agree with you. They don't care. They like their baseball is the only sport I've ever seen where their solution to their problems is less baseball. It's it's a joke. It's a total joke. And and you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention too some of the other carrots that Rob Manfred tried to talk about that they were giving uh, 
please don't insult my intelligence. I don't want to hear about how aggressive the draft lottery is going to be in baseball. Everybody knows that the baseball draft is not the NFL and it's not the NBA. How many first round picks never even make it to the major leagues? A lot of them. So it doesn't matter. Sure, it matters. But don't act like that's the most important thing. And then he even said something which I actually laughed out loud about that. Oh, we're, we're going to agree that if you qualify in first or second for rookie of the year, you get a full year of service time, no matter what, who the, how many people over the years qualify for rookie of the year and don't have a full year of service time. Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant's probably the last guy. It, It doesn't happen that often. Let's not pretend like this happens all the time. Yeah, what he's basically saying is like that's basically if Wander Franco won AL Rookie of the Year last year, you get a full year of service. Yeah, well, he didn't. Yep. And and that happens a lot. Uh, you know, Gary Sanchez when he came up, he hit all those home runs. He didn't win. Yeah, he did so, not. I mean, these are like they, they're, they're nice things, and I'm not saying that I disagree with them. Just don't tell me that they're that meaningful because they're not. Yeah, and in terms of the aggressiveness of the draft lottery here. I think what they're referring to is that they have more picks up for grabs in the lottery than any other sport where I think the NHL think is top three. NHL and the NBA are top four. They're top five. Whoopee. Great. That, that's great. And let, let me, you know, Mike, go, go through the history of top five picks in Major League Baseball. You probably never heard of half of them because they never made it to the Major Leagues. Yeah, it's all a long, it's all a long game. So, uh, the, again, do I disagree with these things in principle? No, not at all. But let's not pretend that they're major concessions. They are not major concessions. And the image of Rob Manfred smiling and laughing with the reporters today is going to last a long, is going to be the image of this lockout as long as it lasts. It's, it's awful. It's, it's sad. I'm sorry to all the baseball fans out there that this is, this is what we're going to deal with. Uh, it's, it's, it's real sad. It's a, it's a sport that just, just in a boatload of trouble. It is. And I think, again, like in terms of this, like I would not be shocked. There's been a lot of vitriol on the internet today. And like, I think in terms of those attendance numbers, like, especially if your team is not good, like I think New York, you're going to have a, still have a decent chunk of Yankee and Matt fans still going to games that like, sure you go, you go to Cleveland, you go to Baltimore, you go to Pittsburgh. Why are you invested in this, in this system? I agree. I agree. And, and let's keep in mind one other thing here. This is a sport that has problems on the field. Forget about the economics for a second. There are problems on the field in this sport the, it, with the gameplay. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last time. There are fans who feel betrayed by this sport. It's not what they remember, whether it be ships and you know, uh, pitching changes and three true outcomes. Yeah. Three true outcomes, all the above. And I'm not that today's not the day to get into a debate about what we think the rules should be in those regards, but it is worth noting that those issues are out there. They're issues that are hurting the sport to a lot of fans. And, uh, we're now adding on top of that an economic lockout situation with canceled games that that that's bad and the thing that makes it scary is you remember what brought the baseball back and i don't even think it got all the way back to pre-94 levels last night it was cal ripkin's streak a lot of steroids and a home run chase you're getting none of that this time no uh, it was and and you missed one it was cal ripkin's streak steroids a home run chase and the fact that there was nothing else to watch on tv yes which you now lost number four yeah, that- uh, Joe, we're going to have plenty to watch on TV uh, between, I mean, you know, the, all the above. Moon Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, who the hell knows what else is coming out N- this spring? NBA playoffs, NFL draft, NHL playoffs, the, the yeah, Masters. Plenty, plenty of stuff to watch both in and out of the world of sports. Yeah, it's definitely a mess. Phil, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we're not waiting too much longer for baseball. I know I lost my opening day March 31st and in case you're curious I did get my email from the Mets today basically saying that like anybody who had a ticket to March 31st gets a ticket to whatever the first home game of the year is and that the rest are going to be 
either credits or refunds if you so choose. But in terms of that, like we all rather just have the baseball. Uh, at least the Mets got that right. Uh, I have a feeling if the Wilpons were still owning the team, you wouldn't have got that email. So <laughs> at least they got that right. But uh, yeah, it's it's a shame. Uh, I'm, I feel I'm disgusted. Yeah, I am too. And that's going to wrap it up here for this extra bonus episode of the podcast. We're going to be back next week. We're going to do a lot of college basketball this month to get ready for the tournament. Troy Moriel is coming back. We're going to do a conference tournament preview podcast next week. Until then, have a good week, everybody. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. Hang in there, baseball fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.